It is said in Proverbs 18.21 that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And as I went through my journey, I remembered that scripture constantly. So my whole thing was to prevent myself from being depressed, I had to have a good time, make fun of it, have fun. And boy, did I have fun. Those were some bittersweet days. Bitter because I had breast cancer. Nobody knew what I was going through when I went home. But on the outside, I had so much fun. Let me tell you. My time would go. I would go to Sloan Memorial, Sloan Kettering, Westchester. I was always greeted by the valet Parker, Benjamin, and Benjamin would always say, Hello, Queen, how are you today? And I am praying for you that you will come out a winner. So that always started off nice, because he would always park that car for me. Then you check in. You go there, you check in, and they had this little... Uh, what would you call a GPS for the patients not only just the patients but for the workers there too and I'll never forget one time I had to go to the ladies room and I forgot I had the GPS on me and Rebecca my buddy Rebecca I love her so much she would meet me at that bathroom and say Francis let's go And I was like, how did you know I was here? And she said, you know that little thing you have? That's how I know. So that was funny to me because everybody could find me. And they would be like, go walk around, go have a good time, we'll find you. But then it was time for treatment. And there was this thing for me. I had to go for treatment and I always felt that if I have to sit there for four hours, why do I need to sit by a window? I mean, not by a window, by the four walls and even think more about what I was going through. So I don't know if I felt like a bully, but I always had this demand. I want a window seat. And I'll never forget Jeremy. Jeremy actually put on the chart, she wants a window seat. And yes, I did get a window seat. And guess what? If I didn't get a window seat, I'll wait. I figured I was going to be there for four hours anyway. I might as well wait until I can get me a nice window seat and sit there and look at the window, look out the window, see people and cars going by just to see life. That's all I wanted to do was just see signs of life. I didn't want my back facing the facing the door where I couldn't see people going back and forth because all I would be looking at is four walls. And I explained to them that you have to understand when you're going through something like this, any illness, and you're trying to get through it, nobody wants to be in a room with no life, just four walls, and your back is turned to the life that's going on in the hallways. Even if you could just see that, that would help. But my, I remember the room I had to go into, and my back was 
to the front, to the door as you entered, because that's how the seating was set up for the treatment. And I refused to go in that room. And they couldn't understand why, and I told them why. And I said, you should think about it this way. I understand, you know, you're on rotation. Everybody's room does not have a window seat, but I wanted one. And that request was definitely met. Because every time I walked in there, they already knew. Francis wants a window seat, yes. And that helped me get through it. That really did. Although, now, all the seats were turned back where you could not see the activity in the hallway, but just the fact that I could see out a window and there was a life out there, it made my trip sweet. Sweet, sweet, sweet. I mean, other than my shenanigans of walking around in the hallway, I went to greet everyone that I encountered there because they were all so nice. I went to greet the, uh, the radiology technicians, the radiologists, oncologists, my favorite nurse would, that worked with my doctor, Lori. She would come looking for me. And it was so amazing that everybody knew when I was coming and it was just it was just so loving and that support from a hospital of people who you only met while going on a journey could you just imagine how i felt i felt good that they knew i was there they looked at the chart and they knew it. I had my buddy Catherine. She would come. She would actually come into the treatment room and she would sit there and she would keep me company on her lunchtime. Could you imagine that? And then there was April, my nurse, who would actually come in there. And while she was doing stuff with other patients, when she had a little time, she would come in there and we would chit chat. And this was my whole day. This is how I got to know all these nurses because I came in there with a smile on my face. I said, if I am going to get through this, that scripture that I read to you, 821, I mean, Proverbs 1821, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Yes, I was speaking life over me because my tongue was not going to be my demise. My tongue was going to bring life to me because I wanted to live, not just for myself, but because of I had a son, and I wanted to live. I wanted to live because I knew there was just more to life than just this, and I knew what I was going through was a roadblock, and I was going to get up, and I was going to knock all those roadblocks down, and I was going to rise up. Rise up, move on, and keep going. And that is exactly what I do. So today, I could sit around, and I don't get depressed about what I've been through. Actually, I laugh at the funny times, because the funny times bring life to me. I laugh at the times, with, especially with that uh, badge, that GPS thing. Oh, my goodness. 
And the last time I had treatment, which was a couple of weeks ago, I actually asked for a window seat. And Seal said, listen, you want to get out of here? This is a 15-minute treatment. You don't need a window. And actually, she was right. 15 minutes, I was out. No problem. But when you have to sit there all day, that is a problem. So I had a good time at Memorial Sloan Kettering. And although I cannot get any hugs anymore, they all congratulated me, me, on the progress that I made. I mean, I might still suffer from some residuals as I see my hair, which grew back, it fell back out again due to a medication that I take for the next 10 years called Letrosil which it's falling out again. It's very thin. But guess what? With all of that, there's nothing better than just waking up, thanking God for another day of life and thanking God for me being obedient to him. And for some who didn't understand, his obedience, meant a, my obedience to him meant a lot because I wanted to be one of those people that had people tag along with them for this whole journey out of fear. But I had to have faith. My faith had to be so strong that fear would just come out of my mind. Fear, okay? No fear, just faith. And the faith, it was there. It was as though God was just saying, you can do this. You are meant for this. You are built for this. This is not the end of the road. This is just a journey, a journey that you will go on and you will be willing to share it. And that is why I do the podcast. I wanted to share my journey. I mean, the brain still gets a little foggy at times, but I remember just about everything. Everything. I mean, everything that I went through. From the beginning of it, it started off rough, and at the end, it had a good outcome. And I'm very grateful to God. And that's why I would like for other women because I don't know about their diagnosis. A lot of people don't know about your diagnosis. To just come on a board, we don't have to see you. We just want to hear that story. We don't, you don't have to show us pictures of what you've been through because your story will tell it all. It will tell it all. My thing is, I would like to be much more knowledgeable about other women, other than my journey, their journey, what they had to endure. So I welcome anyone who is a breast cancer patient, who was a breast cancer patient, and we want to save other women from becoming breast cancer patients to come on and just join me. And let's talk about it. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. And we have to speak life over all of us. All of us. We must not speak negativity into the soul 
the soul must always have that positive that radiates out of us. We must think the mind positive. We must clear all negativity from the mind. Eliminate negative people. I'm going to tell you something. I was on, when I first started, the first thing I went to was to look for support groups. And this is the honest to goodness truth. I found a lot of support groups for breast cancer. But what I did find on there were the most negative women. And I understand you have to vent, but I didn't want to be a part of it. I didn't want to, especially when you're going through it, when you're you're fresh, right off the boat, and you're in, and you got to fight because you want to live. I don't want to hear the negative stories. So, knowing me, I sat down, I spoke with my nurse, and she was like, start your own group, get out of there. Start a group about being positive, not being negative, because the negativity will keep you at a place of going nowhere. You're healing. You don't want to be depressed. So that's what I did. I didn't start my own group. I began to write about it, about what I went through. I began to write about it, and then I said, I I wanted to know about podcasting. So I looked into it. I got on board with another sister. She doesn't have breast cancer. She has alopecia. And I enjoyed listening to her. And I said to my, and I, I brought it to her attention and another alopecia sister's attention. And I said to them, I want to do a podcast about my journey. And that they encouraged me, and that is why. So I'm trying to encourage other women to, if you don't want to go out into the public, show your face, let's get on here and talk and share your diagnosis, how you handled it. Was life and death in your mouth, in your thoughts? What were you thinking? Was it the end of the world for you? I want to hear from you. I really do. I never got to ring that bell because where I went, they didn't have a bell. And they explained to me why there was no bell. And the bell was not there because they didn't want the other people in there to feel bad because they knew that some of them were not making it and some of them would. And the bell signified that you made it through chemo. I mean, even though I I would see everybody else ringing the bell on Facebook, I was, I understood it. I understood, especially if you're, you're, you're not going to make it. And to hear somebody else ringing a bell, it can be heartbreaking. So I was good with that. So all of them... They were like, Francis, tell your journey. So this is how I got the support team. Because I could sit there and I could talk to them all day long at Sloan Kettering. I mean, it was just so much fun. But I was telling them my journey, and they suggested, you need to tell your journey. So I had my nurse. These are the nurses I remember, Benita. April, I had 
Judy Kramer, Lisa Kramer. I loved her. Loved her. Christian, who had me go get a dog and told me go get a dog because this way you'll recover better. I thank her very much for that. I had the phlebotomist, Judy. I had Denise, the intake. I had Rebecca. I had Christian, Jeremy. And I'll never forget Darlene. She was so awesome. I think that's her name. If she heard this, she probably would be like, that's not my name. But she'll know who I'm talking about. And then I met Xenia. So I met a lot of wonderful people. Even the maintenance people were wonderful. The ones that cleaned up after me, after I dropped my food on the floor. And he remembered me, but they were all awesome. And with that being said, I mean, I made, I made a good time out of a bad time for me. I mean, the things that I would do, the stories I would tell, and I love to talk about my son. Yes, because he is my shining star there. So they remember that. And when I see them, they always ask, how is your son? He's still there. He's the one that tried to get his mother to go away to get this treatment, but he's still there. And he still encourages me. So I have my friend Karen, Kiana, Joyce, Victor, Reverend Kendra, Reverend Lakeisha, Pastor Willard, Reverend Yolanda, Reverend... Althea, I mean, Aretha, I can go down a list. I had Inez, I had Paulette. The list can go on and on about all those people. Lorraine, Lenore, Lanier, her mother Sybil. Sybil was actually the first person I got to talk to. And then there was my mother in Georgia, Gwen. And she introduced me to her friend, Pat, who was also going through breast cancer. So with that being said, I have a lot to talk about because each person, they encouraged me. They really, really did. I had my sister that would always be like, you're going to be just fine. I mean, every time she would call me, that's exactly what she said. Don't worry. God is up there. He's going to take care of you. Had my cousin Raquel and Tawana. So I built my own team, and I told them all these funny stories, and I told them I was going to get on here and tell you the funny stories about my journey with breast cancer, that it wasn't all bad. It wasn't bad because I didn't make it bad. I didn't think bad. I thought positive of it. I knew there was a better outcome to what I was going through. And I want you, whoever's listening, and whoever is going through what I had to go through, not exactly the same medicines, not the same diagnosis, not the same treatment, but I want you to know, to speak life into your body. Speak it. Think nothing negative of you. Don't be feeling sorry for yourself. If you do it at home, yes. I did mine at home. Nobody in that street, nobody on the outside, never knew how I was feeling because I just smiled. You know, I smiled because I was able to get up, wake up and rise, see another day. 
and thank God for his many mercies. Mm-hmm.